The nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hello, this is Leanne Meyer, and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. Um, As I've frequently mentioned on this show before, nurses are amazing problem solvers. We uh, just are not always interested in marketing that great idea. So we have it in our mind for years and years and years, and then finally somebody else comes out with the idea, and and we think, well, gee, I could have done that. So fortunately for us, some nurses do go ahead and take that great idea and put it into something that um, can be helpful to many, many of their peers. So today's title is called Every Nurse Needs Her Brain. And I think we've all had some little piece of paper that we carried around with us to keep track of what we need to do and what we have done. And everybody has their own version of what they call that. To me, it was always my brain. Um, If I lost the brain, I was in big trouble. So today we have, uh, my guest today is Dr. Tiffany Kelly, who has found a way to take that nurse's brain and turn it into a handy app for your phone. And uh, so we're going to have some discussion about both um, inventing something and then also what it is about being an entrepreneur. So Dr. Kelly, could you give us just kind of a brief bio of what how you got into nursing, um, and and kind of what you've accomplished this far. Sure. Well, first, thank you very much for having me on the show today. You are so welcome. um, I am looking forward to our conversation. I got into nursing, um, I had, at a young age, so I was a teenager and had to have a minor surgery that, at the time, was devastating to me because it meant I was going to miss soccer in the fall. <laughs> um, and, and you just didn't want to miss that. So um, at the time it was devastating, but I recall waking up in the PACU and something about that experience left me thinking this is the field that I want to go into. And there was something about the nurse who had helped me as much as I was crying in pain, and all I remember is being told to keep my arms straight so that the fluids and the medication could go into my arm. And leaving that experience, I thought that this is the field I want to go into. And so I was, you know, 13 at the time. And if you think about how long of a time that is before I could actually even apply to nursing school and or get into nursing school, um, that was a long a long commitment. But that was my... Um, moment of realizing this is what I want to do. And so I wanted to take care of other people. I went through my undergraduate years at Georgetown University and loved the clinicals because I got to actually see the patients. Of course, I was scared and intimidated by, you know, the first interactions you'd have and here you are taking care of another human being. But once I started to really gain my confidence and and the practice of nursing, uh, I I moved into pediatric nursing. So I did pediatric nursing for three and a half years. 
and um, really enjoyed taking care of the patients. I was at Children's National Medical Center in D.C. and then did travel nursing at what is now Rady's, Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. And then um, my last stint at the bedside was at Boston Children's Hospital, also as a traveler in their cardiac step-down unit. And through all of those events, I enjoyed taking care of the patients. But I consistently bumped against things that drove me crazy in the sense that I every day I was running into the same challenges that I just felt shouldn't be there. And it, it led me to just think there's got to be something else that I can do. We shouldn't be having to constantly, you know, call f- to find out where the med is or find out why there's no linen on the cart and then run across the unit to go to another unit to get it. So those things started to add up for me, and I thought, there's got to be a better way. How can I better support nurses who are at the bedside to deliver the care they want to deliver? And so that started to spark my interest around how do I get more education and what education do I obtain? Because I felt at that time a nurse practitioner role was not the path for me because I saw that as even more complex and um, emotionally, physically taxing than that of the bedside nurse. And so I thought, well, that's, that day doesn't look better to me. <laughs> that looks actually <laughs> harder. So there's yeah. going to be another thing that I could look into. And so I started asking a lot of questions. What would you do? What are some programs? I did um, at the time I searched online to find out what schools offered, and I ended up uh, pursuing a joint uh, or a dual degree at, Ma- at Northeastern University here in Boston for Master's in Nursing Administration and an MBA. And I thought at that time, this is this is the next last time I'm going to go back to school um, for quite a while. I knew people went off to go get doctorates and get their PhDs and have that be their terminal degree, but I thought that'll be 30 years from now. I Let's do this now. And so if I do this now, I want to make sure I get everything I need. So the dual degree was an attractive option for me because then I could learn another discipline on top of adding to my nursing expertise and really in my opinion, have a better understanding of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then at the same time was really feeling like I need to leave the bedside because I'm now having these challenges of, of the, the practice is becoming um, too hard for me to do, and I'm not finding it enjoyable anymore. So I, through a series of events, I ended up, uh, around the same time in a role as a clinical analyst at Boston Children's Hospital where they were implementing an electronic health record. Um, and this was 2000, 2003, 2004, somewhere around there. And I thought, well, how hard could this be? <laughs> you know, <let's, laughs> how hard could it be to take paper forms and put it into electronic format? This will be, you know, I don't know a lot about technology, but I think this will be a good experience because they were specifically mm-hmm. looking for nurses who had clinical workflow understanding. So Mm -hmm. not necessarily requiring you to have the technical expertise, but how do nurses work? Why do they work the way they do? What are the workflows? All of those things that we just know because we've learned it for over years that you can't really pick up in a meeting or in a PowerPoint Mm -hmm. presentation. (laughs) You need to actually like experience it. Mm -hmm. And so that really started my career over the last 15 years in the general field of informatics and helping to support Nurses and healthcare professionals with clinical tools. Um, the electronic health record implementation, we went through that, and throughout the whole time, there was conversations of, well, you know, 
the root of what we were doing was, are we making care safer and higher quality? And that I heard that over and over and over again, and it was always in the forefront of our minds. And so then when we went live in 2007, you know, I was like, okay, well, how do we know it's working? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get the questions out of my head. And, you know, I had some people telling me, well, you need to go back to school. That's what a PhD is for, or that's informatics. And, you know, I was finishing my, my master's degree, and my master's advisor was giving me a program description for a PhD program, and I thought, I really don't want to do this, but I'll apply. <laughs> and um, I didn't want to do it because it wasn't something that I had perceived as the next step for me. It wasn't something mm-hmm. I expected to do that soon. But I really had a lot of faith in my advisor and what she did for me in terms of always sort of understanding my capabilities better than I did, always mm-hmm. thinking about what it is that I could do that I hadn't even thought about doing. And so she had a really amazing way of mentoring me without really being like the you should do this person, but more just mm-hmm. sort of putting things in front of you and like letting you and guiding you towards that path. So I submitted my application to my PhD program and honestly, because I thought, well, Jane, Jane Arroyan is her name. Jane wants me to do this. I'm going to do this for her, and let's just see what happens. And that's what she said to me. She said, Tiffany, just apply and see what happens, and then you can make <laughs> your decision. And I thought, okay. <laughs> so keep in mind, I had been in graduate school for four years straight while working right. full time. Uh, all that time. So (laughs) I was tired. (laughs) Uh And um, anyway, through a series of events, I ended up getting accepted into the program. I decided it wasn't something I should turn down because it wouldn't come around again. And that's something that, you know, I would say to the the listeners that if there's something that appears in front of you that seems like it's a one-time opportunity or something that might not come around again, it probably won't, and you should probably take it. And if there's a need to change your mind after the fact, that's fine, but don't let these big things come in front of you and let them pass you by. And so... So just I, I want to break in just a minute. So then the while I had had understanding how do we know this is improving care quality and led to me really wanting to know what what is knowing the patient mean to nurses because I heard nurses say... I feel like I don't know my patient anymore. I heard it all the time, but not in something that happened to make it to a boardroom or a meeting. It was like stuff that you hear in passing when you're on the floor helping nurses or you're hearing them talk to each other. I feel like I don't know my patients anymore. And I got into my doctor philosophy class uh, or philosophy class my first semester, and it came up in a conversation, and it really led me to explore what does this mean and then through my research, just uncovering really the, the, the dependency that nurses have on that piece of paper. So the piece of paper I'm talking about is what you had mentioned in the beginning. It was your brain, your paper brain, that you use to get the information you need at shift report. And it's not anything that I questioned because I had done it every day I took care of children. I'd take a piece of paper from the printer, I'd walk into the report room, I'd make my little rows, and I'd listen to the nurse give me a report, and I'd write down as fast as I could everything that they told me, and then that would be my reference point for the course of the day, and I would go. And that was every nurse I knew, everywhere I went, the the way they appeared, looked, and 
were utilized in terms of like was it an index card or a blank piece of paper, you know, that had some variability to it, but the purpose was constantly the same. And I realized after this this group of nurses, I watched them transition to an electronic health record that their dependency on that piece of paper only increased. It did not decrease. And it increased because it became so hard for them to be able to get the information at the bedside into the chart and or access it at the bedside that they needed they needed more. And so they started to add on to these report sheets or they used paper towels more often or <laughs> writing on their hands or gloves or tape on their pants. And so I'm seeing all these things happen and I'm like, oh my God, this is not right. Like, we are not going in the direction of higher quality, safer care. We are creating some really big gaps that are leading to transcription and or delays in care and all of these things, and nobody's noticing it. And uh, it was just this moment where I thought, this is not, this is going the wrong direction. Like, yes, we're going to use these electronic health records, but we need to help the nurses because they also have these smartphones that are appearing in their pockets that I didn't have as a nurse. And if we marry the two then we can create a solution for them that really eliminates a lot of the frustration as well as the risk factors around quality and safety of care. So in a very quick roundabout way, I can get into it more (laughs) as we go, but my journey has has gone through these periods of um, transition points and inquiry that have led me to the next thing. And so when I saw this happening, I thought, well, I can do this. We can make an app that can help support the nurse, and every nurse should have this. And when I thought about what to call it, I was like, well, this is no my patient because I'm hearing from all of these nurses that everything I need to know is on this sheet of paper. And if they lose it, they're running up and down the halls, like going into each and every room to see where it went. And um, I don't fault the nurses at all for this because how else are you supposed to remember all of the information that you need to know about your patients? There's no way you could memorize it, nor should Mm -hmm. you. So that moment in time led me from, as a PhD student who is getting ready to graduate and, and, and sort of being expected to go down this career tra- trajectory, to ha- having this, this mindset shift and think, you know what, no, I want to make this, and so how do I do this? And so that was really, um, you know, they talk about the, the road less traveled, so that's where I branched off and went and thought, okay, I want to... I want to find a way to commercialize this. And I led into an entrepreneurial pathway post-PhD, which is not common. Mm-hmm. It's not common in nursing, and it's definitely not common post-PhD um, degree commencement. T- so Tiffany, that's a brief intro. I, wanna, I mean, Tiffany? I've done a lot since that time, but that's sort of how I ended up into the world I live in today each day. Yeah, Tiffany, um, I'd like to back up a little bit. I I would like to go into the whole entrepreneurial and maybe a little bit more about this app and what it looks like or how how the nurse would use it. But I wanted to back up a little bit. When you went into the PhD, were you still working at the bedside and doing the PhD? I know you did your your master's that way, but how how was that different? Yeah, that was very different. So I had... um, when I decided to go for my master's, I, I knew that I needed to work. And so the program in my master's program was part-time, so I could do it at night and go to work every day. And so it was a lot time commitment-wise, but it was something that was feasible. And then enrolling into my Ph.D. program at Duke, the expectation 
was that you were a full-time student. And so I devoted, there wasn't an opportunity for us to go and become the, you know, work full-time and be PhD student full-time. So my transition period was really devoting to my studies, which was really essential to be able to, at least in the first couple of years, to be able to advance to where you needed to go and really devote towards this, this new way of thinking, this new way of, of um, operating because your, your daily activities are, are stu- well, you're studying, but what that means is you're reading. You're reading new complex knowledge that hasn't been introduced to you before and mm-hmm. thinking about what it means, not necessarily just to you, but to the nursing profession and then working to identify what is the problem that you're looking to solve mm-hmm. and what has been done in the literature already to address it. After that, then, you know, how could you approach this? Like, what is the niche you could create for yourself? We don't use the word niche, but I, you know, I, I kind of look at it that way. Is like, where mm-hmm. could you focus your energy and efforts? And so all of that takes a really long time. And you're working independently with the support of your classmates in your class and also your advisor, but largely it's you. Like, you need to do the work. Like, you leave class, you need to go do the reading. You need to come back prepared. You need to do the writing and the thinking. Nobody else can do that for you. You can get advice on how to, like, you know, think about it a little bit differently and advice on how to make your writing better. But you have to do the work. And so I'm going to stop you here, Tiffany. We're going to... Change. Tiffany, we're going to go to a break here, and then <clears throat> we can come back on the other side of it and talk a little bit more. So um, let's see. Yeah, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm talking with Dr. Tiffany Kelly, and um, we're talking about uh, several subjects, one of them being um, entrepreneurial. But to this point, we've actually been talking about education and the aspects of how you decide or Um, what takes you from one step to another. So we will be back in just a couple of minutes, and we will continue on that line. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. 
Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is uh, Leanne Meyer again, and welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm here today with Dr. Tiffany Kelly, and we're talking about a number of things. Uh, The first segment, we were basically talking about the different kinds of education that lead you on to the next place. And I had just a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you, Tiffany. Um, So you had said that when you were doing your master's program, you were uh, doing that as well as working at the bedside. So when you went into the PhD, was that something you had to do also there? So um, just to clarify, when I was doing my master's, I had left the bedside um, at that point. And so I was working full-time as a clinical analyst at Boston Children's Hospital. But yes, so I was working full-time while um, pursuing my master's. And I went to, for my PhD program at Duke, one of the things that um, I had not known about before applying, but I did learn, was that many research-intensive institutions so research intensive means that they generate a lot of um, NIH funding within the organization and they prioritize research as their focus, um, offer stipends uh, to their PhD students because they're investing in them to make sure that they can obtain the, the skills, the knowledge, mm-hmm. the expertise that they need to go on and become those scientists that will go on to lead and discover these new things that we need in in the environment. And so by going through that, then you're, you're, it's essentially your job. And so Mm -hmm. you are um, funded not for your education as well as a small stipend. So it's enough to um, pay the bills and and live, you know, very humbly for during that time period, but it, it offers the opportunity for you to focus on your studies. And we, so, we also and, mentioned during the break that uh, you had uh, gone four years to do your PhD, but that many other people had taken longer. And um, do talk right. just a little bit about, you know, that aspect of you've been going to school for so long. Um, what does it feel like when you're, you're going through an, another four years? <laughs> it's long. Um, 
So we had three years of coursework, and then the the last slated year was for uh, dissertation writing. And there are differences across PhD programs around the length of time that it might take. Uh, if you were coming directly from uh, an undergraduate program, then it may take you upwards of you know seven or more years, and that really depends on your major as well as what you're studying. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of it for me was just mentally putting down the the marker that I'm going to be done in four years because I felt as though that was a long period of time and I had already spent four years part-time in my master's program. So we're looking at eight years Mm -hmm. from 2000 and, you know, just a long time to be in higher level education. And you reach a point where you're ready. You're ready to, to move on to whatever is next for you. And, um, you know, some take a little bit longer because of other factors that come into play. Whether it's Tiffany, let's uh, let's transition on to then. Uh, sure. Was it? It was. Dur- you were saying that it was during your PhD that you began to hear and realize that nurses were having problems that were creating obstacles for them, and it was something you really felt like you could address, but other people were not addressing. So, talk a little bit about how that led to the idea that you. Sure. Um, currently have as an app? Sure. So um, really early in my nursing career, I I was frustrated by the things that I didn't think should be there in terms of problems. And I seemed to be the only one that was frustrated by it. So I figured it was just I couldn't manage it. And then that, that led me to down the path that I'm in. But in terms specifically related to Know My Patient, which is our mobile app that came about, I, I was watching nurses try to manage information. So uh, my dissertation was focused on the information needs of nurses before and after an electronic nursing charting system implementation. And I was really trying to figure out what did we do during this transition period that is increasing their their feeling as though they don't know their patients. And so my discovery for Know My Patient wasn't expected. It wasn't at all something I was looking for. It was more just me sort of putting together the pieces of, oh, hey, we have these smartphone technologies that you have in your pocket that you seem to be okay with. You're using them for the calculator, for the time, for the flashlight, like simple functions. It's benefiting you. It's not drawing you away from something you want to do. It's a helper. So I'm seeing this, and then I'm also seeing the the increased use of temporary storage devices, such as these pieces of paper, the paper towels, the Post-it notes, and I thought this is this is just so far in the wrong direction. We, we need to get away from this, and nobody's paying attention. But with the background I had in informatics, I knew what was capable within the electronic health record. I knew the functionality. Mm-hmm. I also knew that if this device is working for them, then we can design a system that can support them from their shift report through the course of the day so that they have access to the information at the bedside, in the hallway, during shift report and not having to constantly repeat this process at an individual level. So for me it was, I think, one, being in an environment that was encouraging me to think outside the box and to question the things that I was seeing, but two, also really being very open to listening and hearing and seeing what was going on. And those are things that anybody can do. Um, mm-hmm. it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to be in a PhD program. It just happened to be that way for sure. me. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I hadn't, this was never a thought yeah. in my mind. It just happened and I was like, you know what, this is a big problem. It's affecting every nurse. 
So how how does it how does it work? Uh, if I'm sitting in the report, am I typing into the app, or is uh, is there some other way that that information is getting in there? Because I'm not right. a fast so typer, especially on a phone. That would we can work. interface with other electronic health record companies, so that there's there's times when you only need to see the information. There's times when uh-huh. you can input information. We've designed it based mm-hmm. on what the needs of that nurse is according to the task at hand. It's not designed to be um, your complete utility for the course of the day. You still will have to sit down at a computer and do okay. some some of your work there. But for the mm-hmm. things in which you would need to have access to on the go, we really want to make sure that the nurse can rely on an up-to-date real-time tool and not something that quite frankly, like, is alarming as a patient when you see someone writing on a post-it note. You think, why don't you have the right tools? Yeah. And so trying to bring us to a more modern day where every person Mm -hmm. that's working there has a smartphone for their life. So (laughs) would a nurse be able to look up when, when would a nurse be able to look up what medication had been given last, something like that? Or is it more looking um, at vital signs? Um, it's a variety of different factors. I can't go right now into too many details as to okay. the specifics around it, but it's really designed to be able to be that, that supportive device for the nurse from shift report over the course of their day so that they can okay. have what they need at their fingertips. And, of course, what we deliver for our first version will constantly be added on, but it's, it's really meant to be that tool to support the nurse in the same way that the stethoscope is there to help you we want to be able to give you what you need at your fingertips. Sure. So, um, so yeah. So that that is oh, one of the things you have said the name of the app, but you kind of have slid it in there, and I'm not sure people are really catching it. Oh, sure. So it's it's know your know my patient. patient. Know my patient. Okay. Know my patient, and, and the reason it's called know my patient is because I I published a research study, really understanding what does the mean what does knowing the patient sure. mean to nurses. And knowing the patient is a precursor to delivering higher quality individualized care. And so knowing that, then every nurse should have the ability to be able to know their patient. Mm -hmm. Thus, knowing the patient means not just knowing their clinical care needs, like their diagnosis and their allergies and their meds, but Mm -hmm. also what they personally like and dislike. Okay. What are their personal needs? What are they okay. as a, looking at them as a complete human being sure. and being able to provide that individualized care? And that's something mm-hmm. that really differentiates someone's feeling like they're known by their nurse versus feeling right. like they're, they're asking the same questions over and over again. Yeah. Um, I'm also interested in the informatics and especially the fact that you were pretty much in on the ground floor when the EHR was coming in. So what what have you seen that has changed? I hear so much frustration from the nurses around the EHR because they feel like it isn't intuitive the way they intuit or the way they think about a chart. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how has that come in? Like, how did they get started? And then how has it changed over time? Oh, gosh. Um so I could talk about this for hours because I wrote an entire <laughs> textbook on this, and I won't. But Unfortunately, we just <laughs> um, have a few minutes. You sure. So they started actually in 1968, the late 60s. It was the first versions of these electronic health records. But variety of, for a variety of different factors, we haven't seen them really become in our healthcare environments until the last 
I'll say, I'll go as far as to say the last 18 years. Um, But the last five or so years have been driven off of the High Tech Act, which provided incentive dollars for healthcare organizations to implement these records. So there's been reasons why it's it's been a slow progression, and then all of a sudden in the last five years, it's this rapid adoption. But that being said, from the day-to-day practical use, um, you know, there's definitely not enough attention paid when designing and, and building these systems on the role of the nurse. And ways in which you can see that is look at the headlines in the news. It's always about the physician. It's mm-hmm. uh, the doctors, the physicians. Rarely do you see a nurse hit the headline. And why that is, I mean, I have some thoughts around it, but whatever, for whatever reason, it is what it is. But we can change that going forward. And so what I mean by that is we are not going to eliminate these electronic health records. They are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And, yes, there are some pain points. But we also have the opportunity to improve on them. And things yeah. will evolve and change. And it's up to us as a profession to step forward and say, mm-hmm. you know what, it would be really great if it could do this. Or it would be mm-hmm. really great if we could do this instead of that. And this is why. And be the proactive individual to step forward, whether you're a staff nurse or a chief nurse. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The more that we're out there and saying, you know, these are things that would be beneficial to us because of X, Y, Z, and articulating that in a way that people understand it and can and do something with it, will will begin to make a shift and a difference. And that is something that I think we don't generally first instinctively go to. We just sort of think, well, this doesn't work, or I don't like the way it does this, and sort of sit mm-hmm. there. But then to get past that and think, all right, like how do we how do we improve on it and and mm-hmm. be that that sort of champion. And not everyone's going to want to do this, but there are people that have an interest in this that I hear mm-hmm. from weekly. How do I get more involved? So uh, it's it's a work in progress, and I I realize that that's not enough sometimes for those that are facing these challenges day to day. But we have to. It's like building a house, you have to put the foundation down and these electronic health sure. records are going to be these massive repositories we're going to depend upon as we plug in more apps and tools and analytics. But generally in almost every organization that has electronic health records, they have somebody that is a go-to person so that nurse could go and either say, here's my idea or here's my problem, what, what could be done to make this better? So right. they, they do have that option. It isn't just, I'm a victim here and this is being pushed upon me and it doesn't work for me. Correct. And getting you make it such a good point because I think a lot of people don't know that there's someone there. They don't know mm-hmm. that they can speak up. And so I witnessed that in just this perception of, I don't know who to talk to. So it's almost just even opening the door a crack to say, you know, here here is a resource or this is a person you can talk to. Um, and or connecting with the informatics nurse specialist. Hopefully there is one at the organization. If not, there's somebody in IT. And, you know, nobody likes to hear that they don't like something that they're working with. So to provide a suggestion can at least strike up a conversation. Will, will all of these ideas get implemented? Probably not. Sure. But yeah. you don't know if your suggestion leads to something that's even better than what you had thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe exactly the right thing that they've been trying to find that answer and couldn't quite right. uh, put their finger on what was the problem. So okay. I, I really encourage nurses to do that because oftentimes they discredit 
what they know or the idea that they have because they don't have that added education or that knowledge about the background information, but that that is really true. Um, I actually am thinking this might be a good place to take a break. Okay. And then we'll have a little bit more time on the other side of the break to talk about uh, some of the entrepreneurial things and uh, also you have a second um Uh, business that you have going so we can maybe talk about that so this is once a nurse always a nurse exploring the world of nursing we're talking about uh, an app called uh, know my patient that has been put together by dr tiffany kelly and is available to nurses so we will be back in just a couple of minutes and talk some more about all of this Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. We are back at Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I'm here with Dr. Tiffany Kelly, and we're talking about basically entrepreneurial 
aspects of nursing, how you can use your nursing um, background to come up with great new ideas. Uh, so, uh, Tiffany, if you could tell us a little bit about if, if somebody was thinking about being an entrepreneur, what might they need to be able to do that? Do they have to go back to school? Is there something else that needs to be done? Sure. So I always tell people that entrepreneurship is not something that you need to go back and get a master's degree in or a doctorate degree in. Entrepreneurship is something that really relies on you being able to have the right mindset. And so what I mean by mindset is that instead of being the person who's like, oh, well, this is broken, so whatever, I'm just going to deal with this. I guess this is the way it's going to be, versus, oh, you know, why is it this way? How could we make it better? And being the latter and sort of seeing the problems that you encounter as opportunities for solving, that is the first step. And then also being able to really be open to sort of problem solving. So your your mindset's there, but solving problems and being strategic about that. And nurses already do this every single day because they're doing right. workarounds one-on-one with their patients. You're just yeah. now looking to see what's the workaround that can be used for everyone or for right. all of the people that are encountering this. And mm-hmm. so these are really internal characteristics of one's own ability to persevere um, to be tenacious, to have ambition, and to be okay with sort of stepping outside the the line that's sort of drawn for them in the profession. So, so that's a this, big uh, yeah. line to cross over for a lot of us. But right. say somebody has done that, they've crossed over that line, and they've got an idea, and they want to do something about it, then what? Then take it step by step. So whether it's a product or a service or solution, what is it? Identify it. Define it. Then think about if you have to build something, how are you going to build it? And don't go crazy building it. Build a, a draft of it and then test it out. If it's a service, build build the program. Build the service you've got. Test it out with a couple people and constantly refine it and go step by step. You don't need to jump all the way into the pool <laughs> not mm-hmm. knowing how to swim. You can take baby steps on this and build this alongside your the career that you've already got. So I, I never encourage anyone to just completely abort what they're doing and jump 100% into something new, but rather have that be a transition for when you're ready to do that. And okay. ask questions. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know who you trust and who can give you the answer so that you can make that step forward. And it may feel mm-hmm. slow at first, but it's better to be slow than it is to go fast and then make a whole bunch of errors you need to go back and fix. So what would be some obstacles that somebody might face if they have this idea and they're trying to move forward and they're taking it, you know, a step at a time? Uh, what would what would be some obstacles that some people might be turned away by? Sure. The first one that almost everyone's probably going to encounter when they start to share their idea with someone is, is the... the the immediate rejection from the other person. And that mm-hmm. could be 
oh, we don't need that, or why would you do that, or why are you going to do that, or that will never happen. That will automatically be something that happens to everyone that tries to start something new. And I see people get turned away at that point and just are like, oh, well, okay, well, we tried. And I'm like, no, it's one person. Like, no, and mm-hmm. just keep going. Like, they may not understand what you're saying, or, and it may take them a while. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that that I can't get into today. But that is one thing for sure. The other thing is is just to be, you know, making sure that you go with what you feel is is best and what you feel is your gut reaction to what you should do next. Because one of the things that happens in entrepreneurship is the whole world's sort of your oyster, but then you have to navigate through the whole world of people as to who's the best person to be your your advisor or or mm-hmm. influence or what direction you're going to take or business partner or investor, and all of that can get very overwhelming. And so making Mm -hmm. sure that you're evaluating those potential prospective people in the same way they're evaluating you. Do you want to be on this path with them? Another Mm -hmm. thing that I think people sort of perceive is that, that, well, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to fund this? Mm -hmm. And you can get very far with a little bit of money. And the more you can the further you can get without pouring everything into it, um, the better, because there's always going to be things that are someone's going to want, say, think that you should do. And you have to get comfortable with saying no, um, and that's okay. So there's a lot you can do and be really creative and, and just stick to your guns and go slow. Um, another thing that I encourage people to do is, is to get non-disclosure agreements with mm-hmm. you know anyone that they're talking to about their product and solution, just to say you know what, I we're I want to make sure that we're having a, a business conversation that's confidential, and that's a common business practice with other businesses. It feels uncomfortable sometimes for people when they're first getting started, but it, it feels so much better when you've done it because then you just know you've entered into this relationship that you're respecting each other's um, each other's businesses and and what you have to bring potentially to the table. So those are some big ones I think that people don't know about and are a little bit fearful of and could potentially find out after the fact that it's something that they should have done better. Well, and I think in the world of business, we think in terms of people that um, maybe have less compulsion about taking an idea and going with it. I know I was always surprised when I would talk to you know, the, the bed maker or whatever, you know, we get a new bed in and I'd be like, what, you know, why are you doing this? And this is a terrible mattress and this is what it needs to have. And then uh, a year or so later, when you're buying beds again, here comes that very idea that you had. Um, so you, I think that non-disclosure is probably a very good idea to do that and make sure that the person who is going on in this entrepreneurial area understands um, that you you can't just assume that somebody is going to uh, be careful with your idea. You have to make sure that they have actually said, yes, I will be careful with it and, in fact, sign something for that. Right. And it's it's something to, to be serious about. I, I've had, um, you know, I've, I've actually had people that wouldn't sign them and, and I've uh, walked away from certain uh, further conversations because we wouldn't get to that level and it's it's just something to be in as much as entrepreneurship can be risky in the sense that you're trying something new you also have to be conservative with what you're you're 
you're doing and and how you protect it and how you move it forward. Sure. What would be some pros and cons that, you know, when somebody is trying to decide, do I want to do this or do I not want to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some pros and cons you might weigh? Um, I definitely see people that come to me with, oh, I have an idea for an app or I have an idea for this or I want to start this business and I wanted to pick your brain. And one of the things I I, I try to convey or I hear from people is wanting this this idea to sort of transform into, <laughs> um, you know, the next Instagram or whatever it might be in right. a short period of time. In short period of time, I mean like three months or under a year. And mm-hmm. that is just so unrealistic because mm-hmm. if you think about what it takes that you can get done in three months, I mean, you can probably get a few of the things done that you need to to start up the business, but definitely not get to a multi-million dollar sales cycle. So what I'm getting at there is being able to recognize, do I have the interest to stick with this for many years and many Mm -hmm. years being like five to 10? And if not, that's okay. But the more you can recognize like how committed am I to this, the easier it will be for you to decide if you want to stick with it or not. Now, some things you might fall into, and eventually over time it builds into something that that you weren't expecting, which is something like what's happened with my second company. But in many cases, you need to be able to say, you know, this is something that has to grow and breathe and thrive, and it has to evolve, and so I need to be committed to this. And if you're not, I wouldn't encourage going down the pathway because you're the driver. You're in the driver's seat. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is recognize, like, how comfortable are you with risk? And, again, what I mean by risk is you're paving a pathway that doesn't exist. And so for many, that can feel very uncomfortable. And if it's not comfortable for you, then can you find somebody to work with who wants to do that um, with you? Or, you know, maybe this is better entrepreneurially, where you've got the, the creative mindset to think of new things, and there's a system within your organization that, that really sort of generates these new pilot projects that could potentially be adopted. That might be a better option. So I think people need to recognize within themselves, what, how, where do I want this to go? How committed am I to it? Um, do I need to have somebody that can sort of counter some areas where I feel a little bit unsettled or uncomfortable? And or should I be an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur? And so, like, I think a lot of it is these are all pros and cons, right? Like, you have to weigh in yourself, like, how comfortable are you with it? I've had so many things that I've thought about, and maybe one day I'll get to some of them, but I know (laughs) going through this how (laughs) intensive it can be. And some ideas, I'm like, that's a great idea, but you know what? I know. <laughs> Let somebody um, else go do that. And, yeah, so you have to have a lot of passion for it, enough that oh, yeah. you're not going to get bored with it before you get to the final product. Right. Yeah, there has to be some depth to it and some really big understanding why. Like for me, like I just, I thought, oh my God, these nurses are just, they, they this is just not right. Nobody's paying attention to this. And I wouldn't want to be a nurse doing this. I just think that they deserve something better so they can actually focus more mm-hmm. on the patient. And so for me, yes, we are a mobile app, but it's more for me about, but I I know what it's like to take care of a patient, and I know how hard it can be. And I 
don't want to have to fight with the computer in order to be able to mm-hmm. do that. So how can I alleviate some of this pressure for them and, and build that relationship better? That was my driver. And so it still sticks with me. Like when there are hard days and you're like, oh, you know, you're like, but, you know, people deserve to have this. And so, right. and the same with We're, my other company, you know, there's reasons for why you do things. It's not just, I want to build a, a widget and let's just, Sure. We're we're down to the last few minutes here, and um, I just wondered if you have something in particular that you want to make sure that nurses around the world know that something you feel like you can give them that um, would be helpful to them. Sure. I, I think I've been a nurse now 18 years, and I had no idea the the breadth and scope of what a nurse could do with their career when I first entered. And I think for anyone that's listening, you the sky is the limit. And that sounds a little cliche, but you can make your own path. And you can utilize the skills that you have to benefit others in a way that doesn't already exist. And whether that turns into a company or it turns into a special role within a hospital or a whole new way of delivering care, it doesn't matter. As long as you've got the talent and the expertise that you can make an impact Find a way to bring that to as many people as possible, not just, um, you know, one at a time, but is there a way that it could be distributed so that everyone can benefit from it? And I think right. that's been a realization for me, even in the last couple of years, just to think about how do we utilize the skills that we have to influence future nurses, to influence yeah. care delivered at the bedside, to help patients I want- and families. There's so many ways. I want to make sure that everybody knows how can they get, how can they find your app? How can they um, uh, be able to utilize it themselves? So our app is actually an enterprise solution, which means that it's not something that's consumer downloadable because of protected health information. So if it's something that you think might be beneficial to your organization, I would encourage you to talk to um, a nurse manager or a nurse leader or get in touch with me to help facilitate that conversation. Okay. see how we can and bring know, know my patient to you. Um, in terms of getting in touch with me, my email address is Tiffany, so T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, dot Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, at nightingaleapps.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn as well, and I um, am generally pretty responsive to people that reach out to me there as well. Great. Okay. Well, we are coming down to the end here. Um, one of the things that you have brought out and reminded me is the, the message that I have been trying to deliver to nurses for years and years and years, especially the new gra- the uh, returning RNs that I work with, but also as I worked with nurses along the way as a manager. And that is that idea, you are not a victim, that all the, the wonderful knowledge and um, ideas that you have are important. And if you're in any situation where there's frustration, and I think now uh, with especially like nursing homes, where there's more and more work put on the nurses and less and less time uh, to be able to get it all done. If you have ideas on how to streamline or, or you know, make something different, speak up and try to make right. that known. So we um, uh, need to to stop here, and I'm, I'm always sad when I have to break <laughs> off, but I do want to thank you very much, uh, Dr. Kelly, for talking with us, and um, lots of interesting information here. So well, thank, thank you, you again. Opportunity. 
You're so welcome. This has been Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I hope to be able to talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.